0: FIS Castaway, the podcast keeping you in the know about the shipping and commodity world. To keep up to date, sign up to our FIS Live app at www.fis-live.com or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Hello, welcome back to Castaway. Uh, I'm Chris Hudson and you are listening to Castaway, FIS's Freight and Commodity Podcast and it is Wednesday the 27th of January. Uh, I'm joined again by Kerry and Tom. Hello guys. Hey Chris. Hi guys. So what's happened in the week that's just passed? Well, Joe Biden was officially made the President of the United States and he signed 33 executive actions in just six days, uh, including returning the US to the Paris Climate Accord. German politician Bobo Ramelow admitted to playing to uh, Candy Crush during a high-level coronavirus meeting. The Dutch government extended its curfew law despite violent backlashes. Uh, Chinese stocks fell on the central bank warning of an asset bubble. Hyundai set its sight on a 60% increase in electric vehicle sales in 2021. Renewable power has for the first time made up the bulk of China's Belt and Road Initiative energy investments as coronavirus pandemic accelerated a shift away from fossil fuels, a new analysis has showed. House Democrats delivered their second Trump impeachment article to the Senate, paving way for the former president's trial on incitement to insurrection. The UK is set to announce flight hotel quarantine legislation, similar to the policy currently in Australia. Uh, Hull has been a- proposed for Europe's first rare earth metals processing plant and the US warned Beijing over an incursion into Taiwanese air defence zone. So guys, what about indexes? What are we seeing on the markets so far? Tom, why don't we start with you and the iron ore?
1: Yeah, so the 62% uh, was $170.25, uh, uh, is now $164.65, so a drop of 3.29%. And the 65% was $193.95 and is now trading 188, uh, spot 95, so down
2: 2.58%. Thank you, Top And Kerry, what about the freight? The Cape Size 5TC average is at $20,709. That is down $3,239, or 14.2% in the past week. And the Panamax 4TC average is 13607 That's up. Sorry, up to thirteen six oh seven, up four hundred thirty seven dollars, or three point three percent.
0: And to round off the freight tanker wise, uh, we've seen a move up of seven percent on TC two to one hundred and seventeen seventy eight. Uh, also up on the T three C to thirty two thirty eight. That's up ten percent week on week. Uh, down on TC five six percent to seventy three seventy nine, and TD twenty five up sixteen percent to eighty. World well, go. And on the last recap of indexes on the oil and fuel. Brent, we've uh, hardly moved. 5598 to 5572. Sing 380 hardly moved as well, ending 32620. Uh down 3.5%, moving down 0.78% to 312.70. Sing 0.5 down 1.17% to 42713. Rot point five down one point one. 1.36% to 403.88. And the high is a little bit more movement there, down both of them, sing and rot, uh, over 3%, uh, ending sing, high five at 193, and rot equivalent 91.18. Right, so let's dive into the reasons behind these movements and what other things we are seeing. Tom, as we started with you on the indexes, why don't we go into iron ore to start with? Um, surprisingly, we've moved down this week. A Little bit yeah. of cooling
1: off the market. Uh, a touch calling off. That's, that's basically been the beginning of this week. Up until un, until then, we'd sort of been in a fairly continuous slow grind up. Um, but over the last week, we've sort of moved in a $9 range uh, on the February contract on SGX. So from $162.85 up to, well, at the time of writing on Monday, one hundred seventy one twenty. dollars um, But it's sort of been sideways trading pattern now. And I think we're sort of broadly expecting that into Chinese New Year now, uh, trading, we would expect to slow down. Volumes are still strong at the moment uh, on the on the derivatives, um, but that volume is transitioning away from spot stuff and more into spread, so people just covering around that Chinese New Year um, holiday. Uh, and normally over Chinese New Year, so you get a very seasonal drop in volume and price normally comes off as well with it. So I don't think anything unexpected. Um, but we're expecting a bit of a slowdown on price and volume over the coming couple of weeks and then over the Chinese New Year holiday uh, in the beginning of February. Um, There's been a few interesting developments around the steel complex this week so the Chinese Ministry of Industry and Information Technology met uh, over the last few days and they've decided to prohibit any new steel making capacity in 2021 so that will be benchmarked off 2020 Production figures uh, and essentially will prevent any new mills being built uh, this year. Any that are currently in production will be allowed to finish, um, but no new production can come online uh, in the course of 2021. So, seemingly, they are trying to consolidate the industry, marginalize the higher cost producers, the higher emission producers, uh, and force the bigger companies with the balance sheets to to sort of put the bill to. Uh, get rid of the older, less efficient, dirtier mills and replace them with cleaner, more efficient uh, EAS, for example, over time. So that was quite an interesting development um, and will certainly have an impact on the steel price you have thought over the course of the next 12 months. Um, In terms of arrivals at port in China, iron ore figures for the week were down to, or just shy of 3 million tonnes, a total of 24.37 million tonnes. Um, we talked about steel margins last week going negative uh, and this is something that we've seen continue through the course of this week. So in the Tangshan production area, um, those negative rates have stayed around the 10 to 15 RMB level. Uh, and there is talk of a lot of steel makers now looking at shifting their iron ore and coke usage uh, away from steel. Uh, so that would probably lead to a fairly strong decrease in steel production over the near term. Um, I did want to note whilst talking about steel that on the paper side and the sort of the international contracts, um, we've seen a huge amount of uh, volume uh, and interest being traded on those, uh, which is not something we've been able to say historically. Um, So of all the contracts that we broke as FIS on a year on year basis, the volume growth in the USHRC steel contract is by far and away the strongest, um, which is great to see. Um, that we're finally developing some proper liquidity in that market. Uh, a lot yeah. of it doesn't seem to be speculative buying. Uh, the market is very, very net long, um, but you know that's really, really positive to see. Um, so hopefully that will continue. Um, on the coke and coal side of things, very strange week, uh, as noted by our sort of cross-commodity desk um, in their report that they send out. Um, the front months have been trading fairly strongly. Um, but anything beyond Q2 uh, was sort of not reacting in line with that sort of strength that we were seeing at the front. So the index has gained more than $20 in a week, um, driven by high steel prices, buying from Europe and other non-typical markets looking to take advantage of the cheap Aussie cargoes that have been in the market due to China not being able to, or China's buyers not being able to import Australian cargoes. February felt like a lot of that was priced in Uh, it rallied 10 bucks over the course of the week and then firmed up another six dollars on on monday this week Um, and i imagine that was on news that um china is actually starting to allow some australian cargoes to discharge so you would expect that price action to continue north northward if that sort of um trend continues so it's been a as much as the price action looks a little bit muted for, for what has been a crazy iron ore contract over the last 12 months it's been actually quite an interesting week in terms of just points of note
0: um Tom, looking forward on that steel so prohibiting mm-hmm. any new steel making capacity to mm-hmm. what extent uh, you know usually you have the growth of china is something we've watched which has been incredible over the last couple of decades is that going to make a significant difference in terms of usual steel capacity additions over a year
1: I mean, I think it's worth noting that it was benchmarked off a 2020 uh, figure, which is one of the strongest, if not the strongest, steel production figures they've ever had. So, um, and and I think we touched on it at the end of last year as well. China became a net importer of steel last year. So I think it's, it's around... I, I I don't know what the longer term impacts will be. I think a lot of it is emissions driven, because it, I don't I it, from speaking to our analysts up in China, it's really about getting rid of the dirty, higher cost production and replacing it with better quality production over the long term. I don't imagine that it will be a long term um, uh, implementation. I would imagine that once some of the dirtier stuff has been Got rid of, and it's been replaced by these cleaner furnaces that we're talking about. Then, then I imagine those production caps will be will be
2: removed. Yeah, uh, it's also worth noting. I think that the um, the run rates that we often see in China now they happen to be quite high right now, but yes. uh, but on a general level, sort of hover around you know the seventy to eighty percent mark quite often, um, which leaves some room for uh, you know generalized increases in um, in capacity with existing capacity in the blast furnaces as well. So it's never going to hit hundred percent, of course, but you know you might see that edge above ninety percent, you know, substantially for for some time, um, which would mean that uh, that perhaps production is not affected severely at all next year. You know, it's it's just a, a clamp down, from what I understand, on the construction of new blast furnaces.
0: Cool. Well, um, let's keep an eye on what's happening in yeah. terms of that steel industry as we go into twenty twenty one, and if the iron ore markets anything. Like in 2021, like it was in 2020, then I'm sure that we have lots of input on the podcast from you, Tom. But thank you very much for the update. Um, let's go to freight as we
2: were second on those in terms of indexes. Kerry, what are we seeing? Well, on last week's podcast, we had discussed the shock of the Cape Size 5 TC index and the future surging so strongly at the start of January, um, unseasonably strong, and the reasons behind that. Notably, a lot of the causes that we discussed behind the spike were temporary. That was the exceptionally cold weather in North China, a lack of ballasters for prompt Brazil cargos, etc. cetera. And that has certainly been seen in the sharp reversal of the Cape size rates during the past week. Uh, on the C3 Brazil-China route, the recent levels of just under 20 bucks per metric ton couldn't hold past Thursday when they started to come off sharply, uh, hitting $17.77 on the index yesterday, with better tonnage supply available and the miners holding off. Uh, Rumors being done, uh, rumors are of low mid-17s being fixed. Uh, I heard the number 17 spot 35 being bandied around for mid-February loading dates um, in Brazil. And uh, the C5 West Aussie China took a rapid hit as well, having held around $8 for most of last week. We we are hearing of mid-high sixes being fixed in the market yesterday. In a sense, the physical indices have actually been following the paper here, which started to sell off last Thursday on the nearby periods and has pretty much carried on since. That Feb contract dropping from 16,000 to 13,125 yesterday evening. Uh, and I would say the futures are taking quite a hit off this changing sentiment on iron ore also. A lot of attention being paid on the Chinese steel mill margins that, as Tom just discussed, have turned thin to almost non existent. Um, you know, to put in perspective how steep that drop was you know on on one index we follow of average mill margins it fell from over nine hundred r b per metric ton on average uh to in late December to uh well to zero effectively now so you know this was somewhat priced in already with the Cape q two trading down only a thousand during the week to twelve thousand yesterday it had already been down at about thirteen thousand this time last week uh The Panamax has stayed a lot steadier than the big ships. Uh, The East Coast, South America, and the U.S. Gulf were both active enough to keep rates uh, pushing up, actually, until late last week. However, a wave of vessels fixed and failed in the Atlantic, and that shook confidence in the market just at the end of last week. And cargo is certainly looking a bit thinner this week. Over in the East, the tonnage list is growing, as like the Capes, the freezing weather that caused so much congestion in northern China has eased, freeing up vessels. As well, we're seeing some gold trades ex Indonesia have slowed, and this is further eroding confidence in the market. Nearby contracts have suffered a bit, with Feb and March both trading last night down around 350 bucks on the week, at 11300 and 11400 respectively. Uh, one interesting thing I wanted to note for those technical traders out there, Ed Hutton, our technical guru uh, here in uh, FIS London put out a report on the Panamax Q2 technicals uh, last Tuesday, the 19th, in which he pointed out that uh, on his Elliott wave count, we were seeing a fifth wave of a larger third wave. uh, And he set the upside target as a range of 12.575 to 12.686 for that Q2 Panamax contract, and then predicted that it would correct. Uh, And indeed it peaked at 12.600 um, last Thursday, and then corrected down since then. So well done, Ed. And if you'd like to read any more of Ed's in-depth technical analyses, then uh, by all means sign up for our FIS Live app, which you can do on our website, uh, or just email us directly. Well, sure, thank you, Kerry. Um, unfortunately, on the
0: oil and the products market, it is not as exciting as it's being on the uh, on the steel and freight. Um, very flat. I saw from the indexes when we started, we were in point percentages rather than usual movements that we get some interesting moves. It just hasn't seemed to produce anything. Maybe most traders have been off this week. have just been so sick of January weather and decided to uh, pack it in, but it's, it's been such a flat market. Uh, I imagine there are conspiracy theories on YouTube claiming it to be volatile and the flat market is actually a cover up by some world elite <laughs> government. Um, so to, it, we've been stuck in a range uh, of you know a handful of cent for crude, uh, about a five dollar range for high sulfur fuel oil, or seven dollar range for very low sulfur fuel oil. We kind of popped up in the week, middle of the week, difference between the podcasts, uh, and we've just kind of moved straight back down again uh, to around about the same levels. Um, high fives have also been flat. Rotterdam was around ninety four, now we're hovering ninety ish, ninety one. Uh, Singapore high fives. So this is the difference between. High sulfur fuel oil and very low sulfur fuel oil, very important for for scrubbed vessels. Uh, Sing has been one hundred five, one hundred one range, so it, it's really just kind of taken a pause this week. Uh, even the high sulfur fuel oil crack, which is usually you get a bit of movement in uh, around, has been in around about five cents range uh, for the whole period of the week. So um, I know our guys on, on the desk have been sitting here uh, for the last week going. I wish something would happen just so we, we had something to do, but it, it's really not moving at all. Same as true in, in uh, gas oil as well, um, coming off slightly uh, around about five bucks or so, but really not too much to report on the, the price action fronts. Um, although interesting to see that now we now have, we have had that increase of, of crude and the impacts on the products. We're pushing above that 400 range again on the very low sulfur fuel oil. So it's starting to get to that psychological level as we going, oh, this is getting a little more, expensive than we remember when we were down in the 300s when it's collapsed. Uh, down to the 200s on some point, or uh, double figures for, yeah. ISO for fuel oil. That was in April in the crash. But apart from that, we've got some news stories to, to keep uh, an eye on. Obviously, uh, in terms of rebound, uh, economically, it will have an impact on crude oil prices. Uh, IMF forecasts 21% rebound rebounding crude oil prices for 2021, saying just above 50 bucks a barrel. So probably good for producers on that. I mean, I'm uh, sure it's kind of a, an obvious point as we go into with vaccine programmes increasing that things will return to normal and with that crude oil prices uh, increase in economic activity will also recover as well. Um, but obviously growing concerns over COVID-19 is still leaving the market un uneasy to kind of get too much into putting on large trades or any interest or very strong action on where things are going to be moving. So I guess that explains a lot in terms of the flat movement that we've had for the last week as as people probably hold off. We have the Chinese New Year coming up and I imagine we're not going to see anything particularly grand in terms of movements until uh, we have those traders back from the festive period there. But it does seem to th- uh, look that especially for the US oil, we know that we said um, last year that There was a load of problems in the US oil industry with the shale, with the, the margins that they're making. Loads of companies were finding for for bankruptcy and everything else. But to give a another flavour of where we are with the oil, US, US oil fields and the, the three biggest companies there um, have reported higher than expected earnings in the fourth quarter last week. They reported those um, saying activities picking up again, uh, along with this oil price movement up. So it does look a lot better then. And to show that we've got um, the rig drilling the number of rig drilling for oil and gas in the US has risen for nine straight weeks now uh, and is around about 40 percent higher than it was in the low point of last summer. So it does seem that it things are turning a corner for the US oil industry. Things are looking more uh, bright for producers coming into 2021. Uh, but in terms of the market as a whole, you if you were off for a week, you have definitely not missed anything.
1: <laughs> I guess above um, $50 as well, Chris, fracking becomes relevant again, right? That tends to be the break-even point around there. Yeah. So, yeah. so
0: it's going to be you know, um, much less painful for, for fracking those oil producers, especially a you know, huge industry in the US uh, for that way of producing oil. But um, we will keep you up to date in terms of those figures going forward and what's happening. But... Uh, unfortunately nothing too much to concentrate on on that but, and to finish off uh, in terms of oil and products uh, wet for phase you've seen a slight bit of movement around uh, on those indexes uh, up on tc2 as well as t3c and td25 down tc5 but in terms of actual news items that are coming in but clean kind of you know, on the whole has been 2v moving sideways for the moment uh, the dirty market has bounced off the bottom with uh, a little Room to fall from last week's lows, um, seeing a steady rise on most routes. Uh, VLCCs and Afromax's earnings uh, are negative. Uh, the support is coming from the the Suez routes, which are still uh, plus seventy five uh, set products, plus seven and a half k a day. Uh, when VLCCs on average are losing four point three k a day. So uh, if you're Again, in the tanker market, things aren't exactly particularly great with those negative rates and a lot of a lot of routes, a lot of uh, vessel sizes. So, I hope that they are looking forward to twenty twenty one as a, as an era where they can start to claw back some some positive earnings again. But it's going to be a, a long road back for those, and going to have to have some smart moves on things. I know we brought it last week in terms of VLCC scrappage, which could make a, an impact, but a lot of this is going to be driven from a economic resurgence of of the world generally, and not just. Yeah. I know we've seen it happen in China for uh, recently has had a, a very strong performance back. We have countries, Israel, UK, are doing, making very good progress in terms of the vaccine programs. But it looks like it's going to be a story for Q2, Q3 as we start to emerge out of full lockdowns. We, we noted the Dutch are increasing their curfew legislation for longer uh, before we actually see a proper resurgence. On yeah, it's a clarification
2: it. of that time frame that we really need, is not it? Sir? Yeah,
0: exactly. But thank you very much, guys, for your uh, review this morning on uh, this rather drab Wednesday on, uh, in London. But anything else to, to before we finish for this week? Nope, not from my side.
1: No, I don't think so from me either, Chris. Cool.
0: Well, Tom, you're going to be updating our steel next week again, and we'll see what's happening with those uh, and carry ever informative on the freight. But uh, thank you very, very much, guys. And anyone listening, do join us again next week for your regular updates on our markets.